Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast on this momentous day. Joining me is Greg Abinanamorphs. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Cheers to you, my Greg. Matthew, angry boy Matthew Burton at no pit stops. I just, like, do we have Jonathan Smith's whereabouts? Do we know where he is? Do we know where his wife is? Do we know where anybody tangentially associated with Jonathan Smith is right now? And are they okay? Cheers to you, my dear angry boy. <laughs> and for the last time, pack 10, read. I do not know where to start with this. Jesus Christ. Cheers what to you, day. my sweet, sweet boy, Reed. <laughs> What a lovely day. <laughs> the clouds have cleared. Notice in Southern California, it's been raining for four days. And today, of all days, <laughs> the sun has emerged. And Chip Kelly is gone. He's dead. He's alive. But he's gone. He's dead to me. I no longer have to think about Chip Kelly ever again, except for this one-hour emergency podcast. Ah, <laughs> oh, dr- Drinks up, boys. What are we drinking? What are we drinking on on today? This momentous day, this holy day. Is that red wine? Are you serious? No, no. This is this is a Macallan eighteen, my friend. <laughs> oh, okay. It looks a little red. <laughs> oh, we got so much to talk about. Yes, Chip Kelly was fired from UCLA today. No, he wasn't. He wasn't fired. What am I talking about? He left UCLA for a job at Ohio State to be the offensive coordinator after Bill O'Brien left to become the Boston College head coach. No one's talking about that, by the way, at least not in my sphere. No one's talking about how good of a hire Bill O'Brien is. All of it is Chip Kelly left for an offensive coordinator job at Ohio State. Yes, yes, he did. Reed, you have been following this almost as closely as I have. Can you please recap what has happened uh, as I take a nice sip of this beautiful whiskey? So... Chip Kelly was hired by UCLA in what 2017? Is bad hire then? Is mediocre hire? He got two <laughs> contract <What>? extensions. <laughs> Are you serious? Do you actually do you actually think it was a bad hire? It was a fine hire. I, I think we'll get okay. into that. I no, mean, you can't that, recap that is this. revisionist history. That is that is the most absurd revisionist history I've ever seen. Let me read. It, it didn't turn out to be a good hire. That, that is correct. At the time. People thought UCLA was back. Uh, they fired Jim Mora so that they can hire Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly, at the time, at the time, was considered the big fish in that in that pool of coaches. Florida was trying to hire Chip Kelly. UCLA manages to get him. And all of a sudden, you've got UCLA fans and national media talking about how UCLA has finally grown up. It's finally become a big boy program. It's finally realized its potential by hiring Chip Kelly. Okay, so that is how that happens. But now, go ahead, Reed. Talk no, about the no past one, three weeks. No one is worse at evalu- evaluating college hires than fucking UCLA fans. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just move on from that. Yes, uh, he got two extensions. Then in November, he absolutely should have been fired. He beats USC. And for some reason, they decided that wasn't a good idea. I still don't understand why they couldn't negotiate a buyout for the contract, but whatever. Someone will explain that to me at some point. Chip hung around for the last three months. Um, apparently, last year, he interviewed for the Cincinnati head coaching job. But what? this cycle, he interviewed for... Yep. Yeah, University he interviewed of Cincinnati? For, yes. yes. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? 
Yes, he was um, denied that job as well. Yeah, <laughs> this year he interviewed for the Seahawks OC job, the Commanders OC job, a few others in the NFL, uh, and now is taking the Ohio State offensive coordinator job to reunite with a dude who he coached, uh, who who he offensive coordinated back in New Hampshire in the mid two thousands. So. I don't know what the fuck is happening here. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't understand why we ended up here. Th- this is like the worst scenario for everyone. So I don't understand how oh. we're at this point of the timeline. Y'all, do people in Columbus realize that Chip Kelly is going to be their head coach in Week Ten? Oh, oh, please, <laughs> please! I want. Oh, this is the best yeah. scenario I've uh, ever heard. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Notes of University of Pennsylvania transfer. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, he he is gone, uh, and yeah, there's the whole narrative here around his relationship to Ryan Day. Ryan Day was Chip Kelly's quarterback at New Hampshire. Uh, you're right, Reed. He was also Chip Kelly. Also gave Ryan Day his head start in the NFL. Uh, gave him, I think, a quarterback's coaching job. Uh, so clearly, there was. It felt like the most real connection that we have heard. Chip Kelly had been interviewing for NFL jobs, had been interviewing for uh, NFL offensive coordinating jobs, was throwing his name out there for several weeks, and finally he gets uh, he gets a job. Uh, it seemed to me, it's like when you have a, a when you're like out looking for jobs. I think this is like such a funny way of thinking about it. Like there's some jobs where you're like, I, I will I will do anything to get out of this job. I will take a lower paying job to get out of whatever I'm at right now. And that's what it feels like Chip Kelly did. Um, horrendous uh, mismanagement, by the way, from your, to your point, Reed, horrendous mismanagement from UCLA. They could have fired him in November when they had access to several better coaches. Um, they could have fired him in December, probably when there was probably another crop of coaches that were a panel that did not just sign new contracts after Nick Saban reti- uh, retired. Um, they could have fired him in 2021 uh, after they went eight and four. They could have fired him after 2020. They could have fired him at several points uh, in his tenure, and they do it now in February of his seventh year. Again, he, he wasn't fired, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. I keep thinking he was fired. That's how it feels to me. Spiritually, he was fired to me. No, you're right. Uh, he was not fired. And that's probably even more mismanagement from UCLA. I keep saying he's fired. He was not. It really does feel right. that way. That's a nine um, and a half million dollar windfall for UCLA, right? Miss the yeah. miss the buyout and then get the buyout from Ohio State. That's that's thinking. Did they get the buyout? They, did they waive the buyout or not? Do we know this? I don't know. Who cares? It's a million and a half. That's fucking penny change for yeah. them. Yeah, that's probably not much. Um, Matthew Hubertson. Do you feel like this what? is, I mean, do you feel like them doing this and not having to pay his buyout was, I've seen someone call it savvy. Would you say this was savvy? <laughs> Listen, anything that gets Jarman an extension at this point, right? Like that's, that's really what we're looking at here. You're not- <laughs> it's, it's a need for an extension for Jarman. It's really men of Westwood can take a back seat. We don't need any more NIL money. We, we've got buyout money. We, we don't, we can pay the players. We're fine. Like UCLA is in a great place right now because of this, unquestionably. You're not. You're not funny. Notice how no one laughed. Okay, fine. You don't want to answer that question. We'll move no, on. Oh, there Greg. it is. It's not a windfall. It's not savvy. <laughs> no, it's very dumb. Yeah, yeah. horrible decision. Uh, it's been said ad nauseum. All of the coaches they could have had, or at least could have had the shot at, 
they could have had a shot at Jonathan Smith, who was a hot head coaching hire at the time. They could have had a shot at Jed Fish, who, you know, I, uh, Jed Fish is someone who, um, has covered for a rapist. So that would have been bad hire. Maybe they dodged a bullet there. They could have had any number of head coaches at that point, And, um, and they, they do nothing. They stand pat. They say they need stability. And here we are. So, uh, that there's that story here. Let's move on to talk about, let's start by talking about Chip Kelly, his legacy, his time at UCLA. Um, let's start with Greg on this one. Uh, I think probably fair to say a, a failure at UCLA. Would you say it was a disaster? Would you say this was a horrendous, disastrous? I tenure? would say this was an unmitigated disaster for UCLA that may have killed the football program. Uh, mm. <laughs> UCLA was, they sunk so much money into Chip Kelly after years of, oh, you know, does they even care? Do they even care about football? And people were like, oh, like you said, now they care. And then he was bad for a few years, and it just never really got a lot better. Like, his peak was not even that good. And now when he leaves, you've spent how many, however many years? Like, how did, is it seven? He was going into year seven. Yeah, so you spent six years then showing your boosters that even when you spend, you can't do shit. And then the coach you had leaves you to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else at the worst possible time when you can't get anybody from the portal and all of your all of your players are now available to other teams in the portal you have to hire some complete unknown probably it is just a complete disaster for UCLA and they got no payoff from it yeah like as we mentioned no horrible mismanagement reed how do you feel about chip kelly's legacy cuz you remember him fondly from his time at oregon do you feel like this tarnished his like this whole process of going through and seeking offensive coordinator hire after offensive coordinator job after offensive coordinator job and landing at a major demotion from UCLA head coach to Ohio State offensive coordinator does this tarnish his legacy at all to you to any I mean to the football world broadly cuz he holds a lot of clout it feels like his name holds a lot of weight in the college football world do you feel like this has tarnished that at all? I have a soft spot for Chip. Um, Chip did very good things to me personally, to my life, um, to my fandom. He did very good things. I've, to I've you heard personally. things. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard the other side of it with us right now. <laughs> a guy, you know, David Woods, for instance, uh, had a different experience with Chip Kelly. I would say, and he, <laughs> you know, was quick to pin this as. Chip's fault. And where I land on that issue is UCLA made a hire here that was essentially a big bet on scheme versus recruiting in college football. They did that in 2018. And the sport of college football evolved a lot over the past six years uh, in a way that proved that that was the wrong side to be on for them. Uh, And they didn't realize that soon enough. I think for Chip, he's just aged out of being a modern college football head coach. The sport has moved beyond him. He's a lazy recruiter. He's not very personable with donors. Um, he's not a good fundraiser. Like all of the CEO tasks that a college football coach has to do today, Chip is not built to do. And anyone who's really at the top of the profession right now will tell you that shit makes up like 70% of what it takes to run a program right now. So 
in that mind, I think uh, like I think Chip is still a good football mind. I think he'll be a good OC at Ohio State largely. I think he could get a shot at the NFL and be fine. Um, but he's not a good head football coach at a college football program, especially not a job like UCLA. So he'll never get a head coaching job in college football again, I don't think. I don't think he should. Um, but I still think he's a smart guy. I still think he it, you can't take away from how much he impacted the sport. Um, so that's where I land on it. Yeah, he has to be central to the story of college football. You have to talk about Chip Kelly, but I think that these last six years and now the way that it ended at UCLA, I think people are going to remember that far more than they remember what he did for college football. Uh, sucks for him. That's what he gets. Um, I I think that that is, um, you know, I think that that's a real part of this. Matthew Hubertson, Greg, either of you all think, you know, his, his time at UCLA has tarnished his legacy. Yes and no. I mean, I think that it has tarnished his legacy and that he will no longer be thought of as highly as he was. But I still think everybody will remember what happened at Oregon. Everybody will remember how he took the sport by storm. I don't think that changes, even though UCLA was so bad. Yeah. Matthew Hubertson, any thoughts I- about this? Dude, watch what Ohio State's about to do this year. Completely independent of Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's legacy is going to be just fine. This will yeah. be far more of a of a line item on what the fuck happened to UCLA than it will be to Chip mm-hmm. Kelly. Yeah, let's talk about this because there's all kinds of there's all kinds of I don't know if there's much debate about this, but there's all this conversation around. Well, did UCLA break Chip Kelly? Did they? caused chip kelly to suck uh did chip kelly tank ucla was it all him uh reed you and i had an interesting exchange you want to explain uh your your response to this idea that well it was all chip kelly what had no ucla had nothing to do with this yeah you made a the point that they're interconnected chip and like chip failed and ucla failed ucla failed because they enabled chip chip failed because he wasn't good enough to demand the necessary things from ucla um in in reality, like walking out the door now, we're gonna have to deal with all of these fucking spin wars from UCLA reporters and national reporters. What happened just to break it down for people? Like I said, Chip got tired of being a coach. He's not alone in that in modern college football, but that's what happened. He used that to leak to national reporters now that he didn't have enough resources at UCLA. It wasn't really his fault. And the national reporters run with that because they have a bunch of clients and connections and agents who they get sources from um, to push this narrative that college football is dying and coaches are these noble figures who need more resources and they need to be pampered at their schools and they need to get better contracts. They run with that. UCLA is going to push back like we're seeing, you know, Bruin Report Online do right now and say, no, actually, Chip, it was all his fault. He didn't fundraise enough. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Those two sides are just going to war at each other. In reality, I think it's a singular dude who was tired of coaching. That's what happened. And now it's all a bunch of PR shit on top of that to like untangle who did what. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the core of it. And both sides are in, are completely responsible for what happened. Chip was bad and UCLA was bad. Yeah, this is nauseating, this idea that, oh, well, the national media says that 
uh, he just didn't have enough resources, didn't have enough, didn't have enough what he could, he didn't have enough to succeed at UCLA, NIL infrastructure, blah, 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 blah. And then it's going to be just as nauseating for, yeah, the UCLA uh, access uh, message board writers to say, well, actually, uh, I had nothing. It was all Chip Kelly. Um, they're both very fucking wrong and just acting as mouthpieces when they say these things. And it, and it drives, it drives me absolutely up a wall. Um, because to your point, Reed, um, and something that you alluded to that I said is that they go together. You cannot separate. UCLA allowed Chip Kelly to fail for as long as he did. They allowed him to tank the program. That is not, and that is as much UCLA failing and not providing enough for football to succeed as it was Chip Kelly. And I don't think the, the, um, the UCLA guys would probably uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't disagree with that I don't think, but we can't just sit here and say yeah he wasn't getting enough resources. Let me tell you something: not firing this coach for as long as they did not fire him is a really fucking good indication that they're they whether they're either they're cash strapped or they think they're cash strapped. One of those two. Third if option, you are, they just don't give a shit. <laughs> but those that is also the same thing. If UCLA doesn't give a shit, but UCLA has a lot of money or perceives or the athletics department thinks it has a lot of money, it will have fired him. And someone up there would have been like, yeah, whatever you want to do, I don't care. There is there is a sort of like bundling of and a, and a scoping of and a, and a bounding of the amount of resources that UCLA can spend or will spend on athletics. I do think that that's true. And the fact that Chip Kelly was here for six fucking years, despite – the fact that he did almost nothing, um, and despite the fact that it was clear that he was creating the program, and despite the fact that it was obvious that nothing was gonna was good good was gonna come out of retaining him, they did it anyway. So yeah, the UCLA did was responsible for this. They actually did, and it was because they wouldn't fire their head coach. They were they weren't willing to make the investment to fire their head coach. Maybe you could say that's also indicative of the fact they don't they they don't invest enough to make sure that their coaches are successful. That's probably true, but it it goes together, right? Chip Kelly did tank UCLA. He had some right. There are programs with lesser less resources that are doing better, and he didn't do that. So I, you know, I think it's it's silly. I think what? everyone should just rise above this like weird dichotomy and fights between national media and local reporters. And just say fuck them and try to actually, you know, use your brain to understand what they're saying. No, a hundred percent. Like this, you're right. It's not that one person was a noble actor here. Like Chip could not activate the boosters to pay for what the school needed. And likewise, administration could not activate the boosters to pay for the buyout, right? Like nobody could get money out of anybody for UCLA football. My one issue with the statement is you talk about this idea that like chip kelly tanked ucla or ucla has tanked what about the chip kelly tenure is an outlier in the last 25 years of ucla football he has the worst record of anybody doesn't he he does but it's the recruiting i think that's his performance yes recruiting wise ucla has never recruited as poorly as it has been it just okay. hasn't. During the Jim Mora era, they were getting top 15 classes, top 10 classes. And d- during the Rick Neusheisel era, they were getting top 15, top 10 classes. Carl Durrell recruited very poorly, but even he got, up until his last year, top 25, top 20 classes. Chip Kelly's latest recruiting class is what, in the 60s, 70s? Um, his recruiting class before that was in the 40s. I don't think it ever got higher than like a 30 or a 25. Like, this 
the talent, I think, the talent drain that he oversaw, I think, is what it, what was unique about him, right? And I would say that's not uh, that is not abnormal for Chip Kelly, but I do think that that's abnormal for UCLA. And I think it comes at such a time when co- when college football has transitioned the way that it has during Chip Kelly's tenure, right? Like Chip Kelly was there before and after the transfer portal really became a thing and NIL really became a thing, right? Like he mm-hmm. was there before both of those things. So I don't know. I mean, it, I think it's pretty obvious to me that um, he's uniquely bad given what what UCLA has been. Now, to your point, Matt, they haven't won shit despite the fact that they've got a lot of talent. But we can say, I think what we what we have said about UCLA and what we said before the Chip Kelly era started was no one does less with more than than UCLA. That now it's what does UCLA have, right? Like I think let let's let's move let's let's transition this because I think this is important for our next segment here, which is what's next for UCLA. And I think Chip Kelly, not alone, not alone, but has played a huge hand in making this a bad job that a, that good, really good high-level assistance should avoid, um, that high-level or promising head coaches should avoid, right? Like, I, I think that Chip Kelly played a huge part of that. I think UCLA has a huge part in that role, too. But, Reed, let's go to you. This is a good job. I think the, the feeling from the fan base right now is they were so tired of Chip, and you're totally right about the recruiting aspect especially. Like, they were... They were in the top 20, I think it was, eight out of nine years before Chip showed up. And he only had one top 30 class his entire time there. Um, But I think from the fan base, I think the best time to kill off this dead-end head coach is always right now. The best time was yesterday. The second best time is today, you know? But that's just not true. Like, the idea that killing off Chip and like kills the bleeding for UCLA isn't true right now. Um, it's ripping the Band-Aid back off because the roster can leave and you basically have to like dig in and take out you know, the piece that's hurting you, but the wound becomes deeper with him gone. And I think that's what makes, makes it a bad job is the fact that we're in February right now. They don't have the options to kind of retool this roster via, a, via the first portal window or the early signing period. On top of that, they're going into a Big Ten with a super hard schedule. Um, And I think that one thing I've learned from college football is that the early portions of a coaching tenure tenure are very, very fragile. That's what this sport is. You build success and failure compounding upon itself, right? And especially in the absence of long-term data where we've seen someone be at some place a long time, you can say hey, it's going to be year zero if someone steps in because it's February. And all the fan base can think that and rationalize the fact that this 2-10 and record won't be the new coach's fault. Guess what? The coach still has to walk into a living room, call up a recruit, and answer for the fact that he just led a 2-10 and season at UCLA. That doesn't go away because you logic your way out of it being his fault. Um, and they still have to deal with that association and stink that will be on the new coach. So the fact that there's no path to winning immediately is what makes this a bad job. And the fact that they're stacked up in a new conference 
where they're going to have to go on the road more and they're going to have to face more high level programs makes this a bad job as well. And the fact that USC and Oregon are back on the West Coast and UW's investing more makes this a worse job as well. Um, It's a bad job right now. That said, I think UCLA has some advantages that we can talk about later, but it is not a good job right now. Greg, do you agree that the this season coming up and the fact that they are probably going to lose a lot of games, do you think that makes this a bad job? Yeah. Uh, if I was a coach with any sort of prospects, you know, like if I expected to get a head coaching job at the end of next season, I would not take the UCLA job. Uh, it's way too big of a risk. You, like Reed said, you're just going to taint your career with the stink of that first year where you just get hammered game after game because your roster will be nothing and you're going into a conference where you have to play a ton of good teams who will all be more talented than you. It is it is a bad job. UCLA is going to have to hit on a guy who is a relative unknown, I think. That's the only way that I see this like being a positive for them. And even then, year one will suck. There is no path that you're... The, there's no outcome where you're, you're one for the new coach isn't terrible. Uh, I want to bring up this quote from the homie Ryan Rosenblatt. We should have had him. We should have tried to get him on here at some point. The most important thing in college football is want to UCLA doesn't want to be good at football. And Chip Kelly didn't want to do the job of a head coach. I think that is absolutely true. The, I, I will say vomit whenever I hear the words want to, because I think of Brock Heward saying it like 15 <laughs> fucking times during a broadcast. It's about want to, you got to have want to, but he's, but, uh, Ryan, Ryan is right. Um, I think that's absolutely true that UCLA does not want to, or does not care to be good at football. We can launch. I've got some thoughts about that, but I want to hear, Matthew Hubertson, your thought. Your thoughts on whether the UCLA job is a good job and how much of that is affected by by 2024 and the season they're about to have. Uh, I don't know how much of it I would necessarily say is affected by this particular season. I do think that there is a lot of opportunity in, in the Big Ten, depending on your schedule draw, right? And I do think that the, the idea that if... UCLA is going to be in one of those like, oh, this is a coveted West Coast spot where a team can go to California and recruit there while they're there and all of that kind of bullshit that we talked about for years with the Pac-12 scheduling. If if they are going to consistently have to pay, have to play a pen, two of the three Penn State, uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, you're going to have a really bad time forever. Like you're just going to become your, your ceiling is Penn State. And and I don't think that that is a job that people who want to win a national title is a is a great ceiling. I mean, Penn State's not a bad ceiling. <laughs> I Penn mean, State if UCLA's ceiling. ceiling is Penn State, I, I would damn sign me up for that. My <laughs> here's here's the thing, and I want to. It, it comes back to something that Ryan, that uh, Ryan said in his comment here, which is that UCLA doesn't want to be good at football. UCLA doesn't care about football and it doesn't need to. And this is why I actually don't think 2024 uh, read uh, in opposition to what you're saying. I don't think 2024 matters at all. I don't think it matters at all that they have a roster that's capable of going one and 11 or maybe 0 and 12. Right. I, I don't think that that matters. Um, I don't think that matters because we've seen um, coaches turn it around in quicker time. Jed fish went one and 11 before he we went five and seven. And then now, 10 and three um Deion sanders went from one and 11 to four and eight in his first year and a pretty good four and eight and looks like he's going to be a dark horse contender at colorado um with, uh, sorry Deion sanders is going to be a dark horse contender with colorado next season uh, i don't think that the, that that season matters so much i think it's a bad job 
because UCLA doesn't give a shit about football. It just doesn't. And that's, you know, people will say, and I think there's this refrain, there's this line that, you know, UCLA's just got to hire the right people who are going to be in a position who care about football. They just have to hire an athletics director who cares about football, and they have to hire someone who's competent uh, as an athletic director, and they got to hire, I hear this refrain all the time, they got to hire someone who wants to do the job of of a head coach, who is willing to do all of the jobs of a college football head coach. No, it like th- those are not that's not why UCLA is bad. They didn't they are not bad because they keep lucking into bad head coaches, which maybe some of that is true, right? Like maybe some of that is true. But mostly they just don't give a shit uh, because they're willing to deal with six years of Chip Kelly. They're willing to do deal with six years of Jim Mora. They were willing to go a full four years with Rick Neuheisel. They were willing to do six years of Carl Durrell. That shit matters. Um, a real serious football program that like has competent, not just competent leaders, but like will to work around football. Um, competent leaders who do that, they they try to get out of these hires pretty quickly. Um, they try to make sure that Chip Kelly isn't going to tank the program into nothingness. Uh, they would have fired him. Real serious programs would have fired Chip Kelly after 2020. Decently serious programs would have fired him after 2021. Um, but they didn't. They didn't do. They didn't do any of that. They decided to wait. His buyout was too big. It's too much money. In 2021, the refrain was, "Wow, well, look at what all the coaches are getting in 2021. Look how much money Brian Kelly is getting in 2021. Look how much money Jimbo Fisher got in 2021." Um, there's no way they can enter the market because it's too expensive. Shut the fuck up. Then UCLA is not serious, and they never will be. Right? Um, the the one salve for UCLA is that their chancellor is retiring, Gene Block. Um, and I'm going to tell people right now, I told this people, told people this in Twitter spaces the other night. Um, they need, they need to get lucky. UCLA football fans, you're just praying because I'm going to tell you something right now, whatever chancellor they hire at no point will the UC regents ever ask, what do you think about the athletics department? What will you do with the athletics department? What will you do about football? The UC regents will not ask that question to a new UCLA chancellor, a prospective UCLA chancellor. They will not ask that question. It will be priority number 101 for the new UCLA chancellor. What they need to hope for is a person who just happens to think that sports and football is like a little pet project. That's like, oh yeah, they hey, we uh we actually kind of give a shit about uh football. <laughs> People were mentioning Condoleezza Rice, uh noted war criminal, Condoleezza Rice. She will not get hired by the UC Regents, although they did hire uh, Janet Napolitano as the the, chance, the the president of the entire UC system, but that's neither here nor there. Um, aside from getting someone like that, they've got to get lucky. UCLA has to get lucky and, and hope the, per, the next person happens to care a little bit about football um, to make it a, a pet project. I think UCLA fans, coming from an outsider's perspective, like – your entire philosophy about what you need to have a successful football program is so fucking clouded by university and academic politics. And I I just don't understand why I go in the space and you're talking about like land grants for a new stadium and your fucking chancellor. And it's like in, in an organ space, we would never care about any of that. And our life is a lot simpler because like, you have Phil Knight and a streamlined set of boosters who line up behind him and you make the call there and like things get done as a result of that. 
But I don't think that system is as far away as people think it is. Um, I'm going I'm to play that soundbite the day that Phil Knight dies and we have to listen to Oregon Spaces for 75 <laughs> hours talking about Dude. the exact same shit. Exactly. No, here's what why it matters, you, Reed. You, Go ahead, you, finish, you, Reed, and then, I'll, and then I'll jump in. To be a good program, the, the like lifeline of it is your recruiting base, right? UCLA is in a good location, so they have that. That's fine. The other part of it's brand. UCLA has a great brand. Like that's a huge positive. Giant public university. People, you do not have to explain to a kid what UCLA is. They know what it is, no matter what. The brand connects across the nation, right? And the other part of it is you need some money. You need like $10 million a year. And that money does not have to come at the expense of academics. A dollar to athletics does not have to mean it comes away from your whatever program um you know like yeah we should donate to academics too whatever we're a football show we're not talking about that right now um but you need can can you find a few alums around la to give you a 10 million dollar annual pool for nil recruiting is that that fucking hard as ucla the number one public university in the entire history of the world like I'm sorry. You're, I, I you're think ignoring you do you're it. ignoring the fourth thing that's needed in recruiting, and it's the grind. It's grind set culture. Like it is. Yeah, but you that's need a good the coach. Most toxic, like tech bro grind set culture of all time. <laughs> that is what recruiting requires. And, and that's just the hire, though. That's all that is solved is. with a good I hire. Think I think it's a full building issue. I do not think that mm-hmm. is just from the head coach. I really don't. And here's think the so. thing. And here's the thing, Reed. You mentioned Oregon, and I think it's a really good comparison to think about these two because because they are on opposite ends of the spectrum in many, many ways. And one of the ways is, I mean, let's just engage in this thought exercise really quick. Philosophically, strategically, what is the purpose of a university having a college football program? What does it do? Advertising. Advertising. For what? To get more students, to get back better faculty, which will get you more research grants, gets you more money. That is what a college football program does for a university. Let me tell you something. In the 10 years uh, that UCLA has been a complete shit show, longer than 10 years, in the 25 years that UCLA has been a shit show um, in football, do you know where they sit in applications, in research funding, and how those things have increased over the past 30 years? A lot. They actually have 147,000 applicants a year. The next university in the country behind them is at 122, and it's another UC school. I think it's Cal. Twenty. They are 20,000 ahead of Cal, which, by the way, also does not have a functioning football program. Their research funding, they get over a billion dollars in research funding. They have the best faculty. They do not need football, right? Oregon cannot rely on that like uh Oregon's a good school I'm not I'm not here doing academic smack I'm I don't do that because I think any I think every single school sh- everyone should have access to universities these elite universities they're evil I'm not here to dunk on Oregon but Oregon desperately needs football to to be good because people will not apply to Oregon I think a lot of the reason if you asked if you just like did a survey of why people apply to the schools Probably, I don't know, 70 to 80% of Oregon students, maybe like 50 to 60% of Oregon students would say, because I really like their football programs, like 5%, 5% would say that at UCLA. Think yeah. about how I mean, many students would say, I came here because of football. Think about how many faculty would say, yeah, I know this because of football, right? Like none of them, none of them. So I do think that that 
UCLA being so damn elite as a public university does hamstring their football program, right? Like there's no other, it's, it's almost like a very, like very hard thing to, to, to talk about with UCLA. Cause it doesn't, those sorts of logics don't apply to them. And I say that to say the grind set culture that Matt is talking about require, does require a sort of institutional commitment such that you have, you're demanding that of your athletics department such that those things are like central to the university. I, I do think that require like going out and building relationships with billionaires um, who are going to eventually donate to the university does require having a chancellor or a president or someone at some high level caring about those things. And they don't really. Um, so I, and made worse by the fact that Gene Block is basically he's he's. He's quitting. He's uh, he's on his way out. Uh, the chancellor. So yeah, it does. It's weird because we would never talk about this stuff if Oregon lost Dan Lanning tomorrow. When Oregon lost Mario Cristobal, none of this was a discussion because Oregon knows it needs football. It has. Uh, it does have. You're right. A convenient booster with Phil Knight, but it also just has commitment. It needs football to 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 thrive. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. I, about I, it. I I definitely agree with. I agree that. Yeah, Oregon needs football. I mean, I think we obviously care about football a lot, so we might be overestimating the student body and stuff, those numbers, but there's no question that it's a more important advertising tool for Oregon than it is for UCLA in terms of applications. At the same time, I think UCLA has the advantage of that that entire alumni base in LA and nationally to fundraise from. Um, and they like, you don't need a billion dollars to make a successful college football program. Again, you need like a $15 million annual NIL budget and you need some other perks like a private plane and a little bit of an exorbitant recruiting and assistant budget. But it's, if that's it, all you need, sounds, well, we could, we could do that. Reed. We raise it. Why don't we use our <laughs> Patreon? These things are attainable. And I guess my point broadly is like, I think that that arm of UCLA football can exist external to the UCLA campus and leadership. It doesn't have to funnel through them. Um, and that's the yeah. issue here. I think is that like right now, no one's building it as an outside wing. It's all going through that. And yeah, you're right. Those that that's never going to be on the top of those people's priority list. No, I think you're absolutely right. Especially you look at the the population in the in the greater LA area and and their true love of football. You know, you look at how the the LA it's Rams not are that supported. Much money, the LA Matt. Chargers it's, are supported. It's just not. It's I not just, that hard to find that much no, money. But there's if no you're there's active. no emotional equity. Like there's no emotional or social equity for those people to put down. Like like there is no return on investment for them. There is a return on investment and social equity at all these other schools that actually give a shit about football and their greater populace gives a shit about football. LA doesn't care. Yeah. And and the reason why it's like we don't talk about this stuff with basketball because basketball is a smaller lift. It's a smaller lift in terms of what you need for money. It's a smaller lift in terms of what you need for fan engagement. Like just physically, it's easier to get 13,000 people into Poly Pavilion than uh, than 80,000 people into the Rose Bowl. Like it does not need as big of a, a an investment from anyone in order for it to and, feel like it matters. And they're doing great right now too, right? 
Like there's not there's not yes. any other signs of institutional problems in that regard. That's correct. They're okay. six and one over their last seven. Thank okay. you. Cool. That's <laughs> they're they're back. UCLA basketball's back. This is not a basketball podcast. What are we doing? I, I'm really down to talk about that Utah Arizona game last night if people want to. <laughs> Hold on. We got one more thing. We're gonna just go off into basketball. That'd be funny. Okay, one more thing. Who can they hire? Like who? What are some names that are being thrown out there that you find really intriguing? What are some paths or even just a kind of coach that you think you you could fix UCLA? Matt, we could start with you. You're a big a coaching Jed, head, head. Jed Fish, do the funniest thing possible. I'm begging you. Yeah, It'd unfortunately, I don't think they're gonna they're they're not gonna be able to afford Jed Fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really I call Deanton Lynn, like at least like undo yeah, that. Be interesting. <laughs> undo yeah. that travesty of letting him walk out the door across town. Like I, that, I do think that that would be a genuinely good, like at least get a little bit of momentum and a little bit of being able to keep some of the guys in the building and have some sort of attraction in the spring transfer window. Um, outside of that, I really, I mean, check call Jim Mora. What's he doing? Rick Neuheisel for a year. What, what's he doing? Like, I, I, I really don't know. This is yeah, such I, a bad time. <laughs> Greg, you have, is there a profile of a coach that you think could fix UCLA? Um, I am scared of the one-year interim plan. You know, uh, you, you have this, you're going to have the same problem because the next year your, your roster will be dog shit because you won't be able to recruit. Uh, I would probably go for an assistant with recruiting chops. That's, that is the archetype I would look for off the top of my head. I don't know exactly who that would be. I've seen Tony white from Nebraska mentioned more than anybody else. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the DC there, right? Yeah. He's also, I think a UCLA. I assumed alum. he was given the way people were talking about him. But again, I just, it feels really hard because you just have to throw darts and pray because you're not going to get an established head coach, I don't think. Uh, because um, people no, throwing out PJ Fleck, that would be a terrible hire. Oh my god! If they hire <laughs> PJ Fleck, about it. if they it. hire PJ Fleck, please, please stop watching UCLA football, Carlos, for your own health. <laughs> Why? Say more. Why does he suck so? There bad? are stories about him creating a toxic locker room culture at Minnesota. First of all, uh, he's the corniest motherfucker alive. Second of all, and Minnesota's <laughs> offense has been a fucking war crime for years now. Like I, I could not, I could not bear it if my team hired PJ Fleck. Okay, but grind set. You want if if one coach is fixing the the grind yeah, set let's of the throw building, the boat to six I mean, and six, baby. Woo! Don't give a fuck. I do think, <laughs> I do think that there is some um, value. I guess. In getting a guy whose only real value is recruiting, Does, is BJ Fleck a good recruiter? No. Okay. He, he coaches at fucking Minnesota. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I have no thoughts on Minnesota. I mean, they might as well be Alabama. Like, I literally know nothing about you know Minnesota. What? There's one name. <laughs> There's only one name for UCLA, and it's Mario Cristobal. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, okay. Hilarious. Honestly, if Mario Cristobal came in and was tasked solely with, yeah, dude, uh, we knew you were a good recruiter at Oregon. Uh, you fucking kicked uh, you kicked our ass on the recruiting trail, and we know you're just a maniacal recruiter. Come in here and please help us figure out how to do that. 
Yeah, if Mario Cristobal does for UCLA what he did for Oregon, I I actually think that UCLA's next head coach doesn't need to be successful. My um my own my 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 own thing here is that they've just got to build the re- talent base back up, build up recruiting pipelines, and if it's the next guy that figures it all out with them, that's fine with me. I think that would be completely fantastic the only thing i do care about is recruiting at this point um and it's almost very similar to what rick neuheisel did uh for jim mora someone here mentioned uh, jim mora david morrison said jim mora tried to build a football program independently from the rest of the school and they ran him out of town great way of putting it actually uh jim mora was someone who was maniacal about all these parts of the jobs people say maybe he he got burnt out by ucla and burnt out by the school that's kind of what happened. Um, Rick Neuheisel, though, set Jim Mora up pretty well, um, and I think they need someone who can do that. Tony White seems like, I guess, interesting. Um, the PJ Fleck thing doesn't seem particularly interesting. I'm learning about the toxic uh, environment that he created. I'm also seeing, um, I'm also seeing that uh, he's just kind of mid as a head coach. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 the one coach I've been looking at is like Junior Adams. Junior Adams, the is he's the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator or something, right at Oregon, right, Reed? Yeah, um, he doesn't call plays, obviously, but he's the wide receiver coach, and he was the wide receiver coach at Washington that recruited Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan as well. So is known and is known for being an elite recruiter, right? Yeah, he he also yeah. developed Cooper Cup. He will not let you forget that one. <laughs> I mean, just someone like that, and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm fine if they don't have head coaching experience and they learn on the job, but if they can just recruit the shit out of the job. I don't care. Like, I think that would be uh, a huge service. Morgan Scali loves recruiting. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Let's see. Let's see about it all the time. Oh God. <laughs> um, other names. Wait. Uh, what do y'all think about David Shaw? <laughs> no, you, no. Can, can we be serious here? <laughs> He's already in the building. <laughs> He's already in the building. Okay. Uh, Ben Bolch put up a uh his odds i don't know where the fuck these came from from bookie at bookies these are fake sure. these don't these this isn't uh, real <laughs> the odds on favorite Jer- jeremy chad jamie i'm assuming chadwell. he means jamie chadwell <laughs> yes <laughs> jamie chadwell plus Why? 300 jeremy Dan- is who he is in california <laughs> dan lynn plus 350 these David are Shaw plus four these aren't real odds the, this is not a real thing just so people know these this is make-believe pr for a sports book it, it doesn't actually no, you can't of course bet not. on any of this. This isn't real information. Correct. However, I'm going to go through them anyway. Plus <laughs> 650 for Tony White, plus 700 for PJ Fleck, plus 1500 for Ryan yeah. Grubb, plus 2000 for Barry Odom, plus 5000 for Tom Herman. Any of these names stick out to you as particularly promising or particularly egregious? Jamie Chadwell makes no sense. He's only ever been in the South, and we have no evidence to say he can recruit, so I have no idea why UCLA would hire him. And I don't know why yeah, he would take the job. I think I'm going to go off the board. I think Brian Hartline, I forget if you said that name. If you want a maniacal recruiter who's going to ask the right questions of UCLA, and maybe UCLA fans are know more than me about... I mean, they definitely know more than me about UCLA politics. I'm just talking about what I think it means to be successful in college football in general. But Brian Hartline's going to ask the right questions. He's going to have a good recruiting blueprint. He's going to take it seriously. Um, now, but will, would you will take this, the, would he yeah, take he, this job? 
it depends when he gets in the room based on what he's going to ask them. Like, can I have this? Can I have this many assistants? Can I have this budget for this thing? Because he knows what it takes coming from Ohio State. And UCLA's probably, it sounds like, going to say no to those things. And he's probably going to stay at Ohio State. Um, I think Tony White is a name that seems like he cares about UCLA. And so for that reason, like he's an assistant who would be affordable, who could actually like have that extra care factor to come and do it beyond the bullshit that UCLA has going on. I think Brennan Marion is a guy who clicks, checks the box of he could actually be a good play caller. Um, He was the wide receiver coach at Pitt uh, that developed Jordan Addison there and had a big influence on their passing game that season. Um, before Pat Narduzzi kicked him out of town for some reason. Speaking of cover three podcasts, like put out names that just have been tied to Martin Jarman, you know, because Jarman, I think was at Ohio state briefly um, and Michigan state before that. So those head coaches would be like a Tom Herman, a Pat Narduzzi. I think technically you might have overlapped. UCLA hires Pat Narduzzi. (laughs) Yeah. I'm and this pot. I will quit this podcast. If they hire Pat Narduzzi, I'm Fleck fucking gone. Player. You will never see me in the public Fleck, eye Fleck ever again. <laughs> ever. I'm gone. Jesus Christ. Don't say that, Reed. <laughs> I could see Mike Tom Brable, Herman working. <laughs> so I've heard the Mike Vrabel thing. No People, way. I don't no think way. I've heard it from like, no way what? Say more. Vrabel's, Vrabel's getting an NFL job next year. He's not taking the UCLA job. <laughs> okay, I have no idea. I have no idea what a ca- what caliber of a coach uh, Mike Vrabel is. Yeah, I mean, I think the Brian Hartline thing. Brian Hartline is a trending name, a trendy name that always comes up. Glenn Schumann from Georgia, the code defensive coordinator, also a trendy name that shows up. Those are, pro- I will say this, um, I I think that those names, those coaches would say no to UCLA <clears throat> if they were um, healthy individuals who really thought rationally. They would say no to the UCLA job. I think that is a that is a that is a bad job for what they're able uh, to get. If Sharon Moore was available and not the head coach at Michigan, now same deal. He should not take the UCLA job. But for an, an assistant who's not at like it doesn't have some national championship pedigree, who isn't in line for like a really good Power Five head coaching job, absolutely. I I don't know. I I, I like the names that uh, Reed has has mentioned. Uh, but I think the profile of a coach is like anyone, I think a young guy who's like desperate to show that he can make this work, this is his shot, and this is the best shot he's going to get for the foreseeable future. I think that that's the kind of guy they need. I think that's the kind of guy UCLA should hedge, hedge its bets on because what they have gone for has been what they will probably continue to go for, which is head coaches with head coaching experience. And those well, coaches are burnt out. They've done this before. And, I, and frankly, they're going to, that's going to be at the top of their wish list again as a coach with head coaching experience. They'd be fucking morons to go with that. I just, no, I have don't. to, I have to think that there's a pretty clear, um, uh, uh, oh, fuck, what's the fucking word for it? A, a pretty, pretty clear instructions, pretty clear workbook. What the fuck am I trying to say right now? Mandate? Sure. Uh, to be successful <laughs> after Chip Kelly, um, and and that is someone who is is offensively minded and is able to really, really oh, take Jesus. what Chip Kelly say a serious thing one time. No. <laughs> okay, uh, and specifically someone who's not burnt out currently with with what they've been doing. I absolutely think you give Mark Helfrich absolutely hundred percent. 
Dear God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, you UCLA? Think, okay. Two, I have two questions. Let's hear them. UCLA expectations going forward. Let's start quickly. 2024 over under two and a half wins. They could go on 12. I don't care. Uh, can I push it two and a half? Can they tie a game? Yeah, that's what I feel like. It's somewhere between two and three to me. I'd probably go under if I'm being honest. Okay. And then more interesting, I think. Long term, what are the goals of UCLA football in the Big Ten? Where should they, like, who are their peers in that league? Where should they aim for between 1 and 18 or view as their kind of normal? Illinois. God, I wouldn't, I mean, I I was going to say closer to Wisconsin. Yes, I think Wisconsin is an aspirate. I think they can hope to be Wisconsin. And I think, here's the thing is that, UCLA is disadvantaged in the most important way, which is institutional commitment and everyone else is advantaged in the Big Ten in that same exact way. But UCLA has distinct advantages that no one else in the Big Ten has except for, you know, USC, Oregon and Washington, which is like, I mean, you really USC, which is like being located in Los Angeles, having a big brand name, now having the biggest academic brand. They come in and they are the biggest academic brand in that uh in that conference. Oh, Michigan. Over a Northwestern, over a Michigan. Right <laughs> they're all they're all of those things, right? <laughs> so they have those things built in for them, but none of it matters unless they have any sort of institutional commitment and they currently don't. So yeah, I think I think UCLA with like a reasonable increase in institutional commitment, not like oh fuck, they hired some guy who is uh you know they hired a chancellor who like is like the Alabama guy who cared about football, like that's an unreasonable increase, but a reasonable increase like I got a chancellor and hey, he kind of cares a little, little bit about football and he has an eye on it. Like that is a reasonable increase in institutional commitment, and in that vein. I think they could be a Wisconsin. I think they probably, if they reached and had everything go right for them, maybe a Penn State. That's aspirational. Over the next three to four years, Illinois. probably Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> probably Minnesota. Um, they can hope to be six and six, seven and five, at least for the next three to four years until they build up the talent base and rebuild interest in the fan base. <sighs> Who knows what the move in the Big Ten is going to do to that? But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I'm. Uh, I, I think. They can hope to be a Wisconsin long, long term. I failed to get Wilcox in this conversation. God, I'm really yeah, falling yeah, off. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Justin washed. Wilcox is. We are I'm going washed. to get a. We're going to get a UCLA interview. Justin Wilcox tweet. Absolutely. It's gonna. That Very man does not go away. He does not go away. He will not go. He was. He will. He has interviewed for every fucking job imaginable. I swear to God, Alabama probably interviewed <laughs> Justin Wilcox. That's where we're at right now. That's mean. That's don't, <laughs> don't be mean like that. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that's where we are. Do you think any, any, any predictions on, uh, when, when we're coming, when we're coming on the other side of this, we talk on Sunday, maybe they've hired a head coach. What's your prediction for what, what a grade will be? Are you going to, you think you're get, they're going to make an A plus hire? You think they're going to make a B hire? You think they're going to make a C hire? You think they're just going to completely blow it? A shrug. I expect to give a shrug. Yeah. Uh, okay. if, if they hire a sitting head coach like PJ Fleck, it could be an F, but <laughs> I'm not going to grade an assistant hire because we've just never seen it before. And I think that's the route they have to go. Reed, what about you? What's your prediction? By the time Sunday rolls around, they've hired someone. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer. What grade do you think you're going to end up giving it? 
Mike Vrabel is the only A hire on the board, and I don't think he's no even way. on the board. I mean, he There's is no hanging way. by a thread on the board right now. Uh, more than likely, people are momentum seems to be building around PJ Fleck, which would be a D. Um, Tony White would be yeah a shrug and a C somewhere in there, and I think those are probably the two most likely names right now. Um, so those are my two answers. Matthew Hubertson, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I could see a Tom Herman uh, just you know coming in there and trying to stabilize and put some better importance on recruiting. Um, so that I would, would give what like grade a C. would you give that? I would give that like a C. Um, I don't think that that has great upside, but certainly it has a, a higher floor to me. But yeah, I I'm very much in the C D range. I I think Fleck would just be a riot to watch you have to figure out how to feel about PJ Fleck. That would be very fun for me. <laughs> um, so that there's an A. There's your A hire. It's PJ Fleck. Um, yeah, I just like, say, Reed? it's February 9th. Like there's not A candidates out there. There's just not. Right. And the idea that it like can't get worse. The thing about the thing that would have been so genius about firing Chip Kelly in November and hiring Jed Fish or Jonathan Smith was that you actually had won some games recently. You won eight, then nine, then eight. Like you didn't there the bones, the underlying health of the program was not good, but on its face there was enough to sell. And right now, um it's they're they're just running out of time to sell that. They don't have a transfer portal to sell it in. And therefore, like it can get much worse. And they're heading into a harder conference as well. That's what makes it harder than turning around Arizona uh, when Fish was there. It's like there's there are not free wins on the schedule really, besides for Hawaii and maybe Indiana. But like it can get bad. They cannot make a bowl game for four years under PJ Fleck, and it can be a worse job in four years than it is today. Yeah, I think priority number one is getting a guy who will make this a better job. I think that's and it sucks, right? Because the next coach um, is going to get kind of hosed. And I think that's the complicated thing about, you know, I think one of the things that I tweeted about and that I think I will still hold on to is that it would be great to see UCLA hire like a young, promising black or brown head coach um, and and have them sort of try to repair this program. But it's a little like you're given a coach like that, any young coach, uh, but particularly a black and brown coach, you're, you're giving them a pile of shit to work with. And what, what do we know about black or brown college football head coaches? They always get the piles of shit to work with. Um, and then they fire them and then they try to get the right guy. They, I have complicated feelings about that. I'd rather, I'd rather them take a shot. And then hopefully the next coach after that is another black and brown head coach who they can, um, uh, hire. So I want to be cognizant of that, but it really does feel like the next coach is given a bit of a grenade. Um, and he's got to fall on it. And and in falling on it saves a bunch of stuff, cultivates a lot of stuff, right? He's they're they're going to be a sac- a bit of a sacrificial coach, I think, um, which is shitty. I mean, I think there's a world in which they hire a, a Jed Fish, I guess, in the in the in the sort of like mold of desperate guy who like wouldn't be given a head coaching job except if it weren't in this very particular instance and he's been dying for this opportunity is gonna grind himself all the way to his fucking bones to make this work i think they'd be hard pressed to find that um but that's it's either that or you get a guy who's just gonna recruit and you tell him like hey man look we're in a shitty situation we just got to recruit we got to build up our talent base we will see so i think that's where we're i think that's where we're at right now 
another another hanging on the list by a thread. Like, how would you grade a Dion hire? That's what I was gonna a, say. Because the one dude who wouldn't be working with a pile of shit if he came to UCLA is Dion. I I it's would Dion. think Dion yeah, would be a fantastic hire for what UCLA is right now. H- home run hire, not even close. Mm-hmm. And he, like, I he would, <laughs> yeah, he. he, he that transfer when the transfer portal window opens for those Colorado players, <laughs> and you get an influx Although, of talent immediately. You need a lot of those guys influx to get waivers. Three and nine. Most talent. of them transferred there. Yeah, I I think they I I don't know what's going on with the double transfer rules, but yeah, they they would they would get a really good influx of talent. I think it'd work. I think Deion Sanders for the most part makes good hires. Warren Sapp is i think uh we realize it's like it was an abuser so there's that um and um uh, pat Shermer was not a good hire but his first hires in his first year were great yeah i think it i think ucla absolutely uh that would be a, a really good hire for Deion sanders ucla would never do it they are too culturally stiff they are uh too predominantly white institutiony they are too they just they're just not that kind of school uh unfortunately um they're not they they're they suck in that way and it's frustrating <laughs> they would never do anything like that so that that's annoying but it won't happen i think i do think dion dion appears to really like colorado i think i think he really he really seems to enjoy living in boulder i think at least for now he'd be smart to stay away from the ucla job but i gotta say dion sanders in los angeles that would that would cook. That would fucking cook more than Deion Sanders and Boulder. That that would be we're cooking with gasoline with Deion Sanders in Los Angeles. That would be wild. Um, okay. Any other thoughts about Chip Kelly or UCLA before we get out of here? All right. Go ahead, Matt. You I, you I just God, I really think UCLA is in a bad spot, and I think they're gonna be yeah. in, I think they're gonna maintain being in a bad spot for a really long time. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I really think Cautious of the celebrations today from UCLA fans. I'm uh, not sure 100%. it's a great day for you. Uh, here's the thing. Um, when you're, when you've been hoping to fire a head coach for like four years, you're sort of like, finally it's happened. But I am, I'm very cognizant of, and we didn't even get to talk about this, of the fact that practically, like just brutally practical, uh, removing all emotions um, from this whole thing, from that from like just brutally pragmatic chip kelly staying for one more year would have been the right decision you're absolutely right about that reed and did you get to say that during this episode or did you only say that during the spaces i don't even remember I, at this point i've had so you, many. you should say say it because i think it was a good argument yeah i think the issue is you're hiring right now in february and you're hiring from a worse pool of candidates and you're probably locking yourself into a worse coach for the next three years by starting in february he could have jumped on that grenade next season and he's the only like for all the stuff about chip kelly that sucks he is uniquely built to pilot this dog shit roster to like a miracle five or six wins and then you can him after that and the stink isn't quite as bad and you have a real fresh start with a new guy and you get to be positioned first in line in the next cycle rather than last in line in this coaching cycle yeah you you fire him like week eight something exactly. like that and get really ahead of it 100 percent. 
I mean, yeah. firing him week 10 this year would have been smarter for sure. For sure. But- for sure. Firing him week 10 two years ago. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> we knew this was heading nowhere since, I mean, at least since DTR left town, but probably before then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, and it's and it's a good point from a broody, brutally pragmatic perspective, Reed. You are 100% correct. They should have done that if they weren't going to fire him the year before. But I do. But, uh, I'm not. I'm not. When again, when you've just been praying for a man to get it fired for four years, <laughs> you kind of don't care when it happens. <laughs> well, and, and Carlos, you've said this before that like outside of winning 11 games in a conference championship, firing your coach is the most fun you can have in college football. Yeah. Third, third it's, is calling for your coach to be fired. Like it's, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, like coaching searches. I didn't even get to talk about this. <laughs> coaching searches are a fucking blast. They're so much fun. I, I think <laughs> coaching hires, you get like, it, there's all this like hope and possibility with the coaching hire. It's like, oh yeah, we can get Tony White. Oh yeah, we can get, uh, uh, I don't know, who else were we talking about? Um, right, Brian Hartline. <laughs> oh, maybe they should reach out to this guy or that guy. They should they should reach out to Glenn Schumann. Obviously, a lot of those things are not reasonable, but like there's some possibility and some hope, right? Um, and you know, it's fun to hear all the absolutely absurd names that do get thrown out. And then it's fun to hear, it's fun to see, it's very funny to see, oh, they've interviewed Justin Wilcox. Like that's always fun. And you know, maybe you poach someone like that. The coaching search is going to be the most engaged UCLA fans have been in five years, six years, probably. Um, they, they, people will be engaged. I will be engaged. Everyone will be debating who they should, who they should hire. And UCLA Twitter will be buzzing. Um, so, you know, I like, I'd rather this. And to that end, I'd rather that UCLA hire someone cheap, like an assistant so that they can fire him three years and we can do this all over again. I'd rather, here's the thing. I've, I've said this before, but like rankings in terms of what's fun is like your team winning 11 or 12 games and being like elite, being like top 10 level team and you're beating good teams. Like that's obviously the best thing. That's obviously what everyone wants. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Number two is coaching searches. (laughs) That's number two. Number three is like getting to know that your coach is going to get fired and advocating for him to be fired. And then number four is probably winning seven or eight games. Like it's not fun to win seven, eight, maybe even nine games. It's just not fun. No one enjoys that. It's I, I you enjoy might as well nine ki- games. kill the program. I, I enjoy winning nine games personally. Well, when's the last time you said they won nine games? I mean, Utah, Utah, a year ago last year <laughs> no no they went 10 and 3 yeah they won 9 10 and 4 was in the, the regular season win, buddy. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah yeah 10 10 yeah 10 no not 9 is bad the last time utah won 9 games was 2018 when y'all went what 9 that was and 5 a successful season yeah i guess whatever <laughs> um but there was that period of time where Kyle Whittingham was kind of just doing that for 4 years and people were pissed off at him they were calling for his head to be fired Right again. That's the third most fun thing to do in college football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, there's a quote here from Martin Jarman. God, we're running long here, but um, Joseph Crosby of the Daily Bruin tweeted this out. He said, um, "UCLA athletic director Martin Jar- Jarman's final comments from the press conference earlier. He said, quote, I got to say this since we're on with the media. You're going to hear a lot of things. Don't believe most of what you hear. This is going to be tight. Our team is going to work expeditiously and quietly. There's going to be a lot of stuff out there, a lot of noise. Just like I told the young men, 
Don't believe everything you hear or read. We'll follow up. No comments from me or our team until we are announcing our next head football coach. That's not true. This is going to be a fucking leaking my, shit show. I'm definitely in charge of this hire shirt is raising a lot of questions about <laughs> who's definitely in charge of this hire. <laughs> my, my, uh, don't, my, everything is going to be tight. You're not going to hear a thing out of us shirt is raising a lot of questions already answered <laughs> by my teacher. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a wild few days. Uh, Martin Jarman says he, that he expects to hire someone. He told his players, give me 96 hours, 96 hours. So yeah, man, that is they're not four hard, days. They're not interviewing with anybody else. It's not like you have yeah. scheduling conflicts right now. <laughs> so they're, they're, he has told players four days. Um, give me four days, and um, we'll see. You'll have a head coach. It's all an attempt to kind of keep the players on roster. I, I would say, given the roster. I would say just make the right hire. Even if it takes longer than 96 hours. I'm just going to say they're not missing a whole hell of a lot. Uh, if they're, if they lose out on these players. Hey man, just, gotta just keep, me. Gotta keep the third string intact. All right. That's important. <laughs> all right. Let's get the hell out of here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hey, subscribe. If you haven't already got a lot of people listening and tuning in, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Do it right now. There's 47 of you, 49 of you. There was 55 of you earlier. All of you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like this video at the very least. We would really appreciate it. And we've got more Pac-12 football content on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We actually are going... Are we going to do... We're probably going to talk more about this. But we got to finish up our Hall of Fame... Um, our Hall of Fame episode series where we inducted the Pac-12 Football Hall of Fame. We got does, five, seven. We've got Kelly, seven inductees. Does Chip Kelly make the Pac-12 Hall of Fame? We got to talk about coaches. We do got to talk about coaches. Maybe there should be a different class there. All right. For Matthew Hubertson, for Greg, for Reed, I am Carlos at Equity Brown. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Oh